Lucas on Life. Hello, welcome to Lucas on Life. I'm Jeff Lucas. You're listening to Premier Christian Radio. We spend, as Christians, quite a lot of time doing this, and Christian leaders spend even more time getting ready to do this. I'm talking about preaching and teaching. What should our response be to preaching, and are there ways where we can help the preacher? This week on Lucas on Life, preaching and teaching. Preaching is an amazing privilege, but it can be perilous too, especially in the main danger zone, the period immediately after the Sunday morning service. People are either darting for the door in search of dead chicken and gravy, or perhaps standing around sipping weak tea while wishing that their biscuits were chocolate covered. It's then that the thoughtless, the hapless and the sometimes downright carnivorous commentators occasionally descend on the preacher. There are those who march up to the preacher with a deep question to ask, but it soon becomes obvious that they already know the answer. They just want to know if the preacher knows the answer. Theirs is not an inquiry, it's a test, and one that I often fail. Triumphant, they walk away, apparently thrilled to have discovered a gap in my knowledge bank. Sadly, occasionally preachers bump into thoroughly nasty people who make Simon Cowell look shy and are pious with it. That was the biggest load of rubbish I ever heard in my life. God bless you, said one chap as he shook my hand at speed in his vice-like grip, while grinning broadly in a style reminiscent of Hannibal Lecter. Perhaps he thought that the afterthought of blessing might soften the blow of the curse that preceded it. He thought wrong. Preaching provides plenty of fuel for complaining. I've received angry letters because I didn't maintain enough eye contact with every section of the congregation. I try to scan the crowd, but it can give the impression that I'm high on something. I upset one gentleman, whose impossibly hairy nostrils really upset me, as he snorted through what looked like Sherwood Forest, because I slightly mispronounced a Hebrew word. And the version of the Bible that the preacher uses can ignite dismay. Some people sniff if you use the good news or message versions. As an NIV devotee, I chirpily suggested that those who use the amplified version could finish off the reading after lunch. Imagine the letter. Dear Jeff, I was upset, brackets, offended, dismayed, affronted, incensed, close brackets, by your attitude towards the amplified version today. Then there are those who get upset for no reason that I can think of. I'm rather disgusted that the speaker tonight said that the name of God is not mentioned in the book of Esther, said one growling complainant. What do you have to say to that, eh? Well, I suppose I'd have to say that there's no mention of the name of God in the book of Esther, I replied, which didn't seem to help him. He marched off, apparently in search of someone who would sympathise with his disappointment, not so much with the speaker, but with the author of Esther. But still the speaker, and perhaps I, got the blame. Of course, there are many moments of encouragement for the preacher, but even some of these can feel a little strange. I'm never sure how to respond to the person who thanks me profusely for what I said about a particular issue, which is nice, except that I didn't get within a hundred miles of that subject. And then there are the times when someone hears something that is not only not what the preacher is saying, but is the precise opposite to it. I have frequently spoken about how the architects of South African apartheid used Bible verses to construct their repressive doctrine. Members of our church, themselves South Africans, introduced themselves during one of those turn-around-and-say-hello moments in one of our services. They were greeted with a stunningly offensive statement. Oh, you're from South Africa, are you? Jeff is always telling us about just how bad South Africans are. 
Not exactly a welcoming, heartwarming moment. Of course, for me to suggest that South Africans are bad would make me guilty of exactly the same brand of racist stereotyping that I was vehemently condemning. And I've spoken up against the British Victorians who use scripture to justify hanging children for stealing a loaf of bread, which doesn't make all Brits look bad. And against the racism of 60s America, where black people were forced to sit at the back of the bus and were made to frequent different bathrooms from white people until Martin Luther King and others began to speak up. None of this means that all Americans are bad, just that all humans are fallen, and fallen people create warped and fallen ideologies. However, all of this was lost on my hearer, and we could have alienated a couple of lovely South Africans as a result. What is heard is not always what was said. I am aware that preachers themselves are far from perfect. I've frequently been guilty of engaging mouth before brain, yelling for no reason, and having strange habits that can be disconcerting. My glasses used to slip down my nose while I'm speaking, which was awkward when I have a microphone in one hand and a Bible in the other. My solution was to suddenly throw my head back, hoping that my glasses would flip up and land back home on the bridge of my nose. This violent head-jerking created quite a stir in the congregation. Some worried that I was having a fit and wondered if members of St John's Ambulance should be summoned. Other, more enthusiastic, charismatic types concluded that I was having an involuntary Holy Spirit manifestation and shouted, More Lord, and did a spot of head-jerking themselves. But despite our foibles, spare a prayer and a kind word for the preachers in your life. They are women and men who need encouragement, even if some try to resist it, like one minister who was irrationally paranoid about praise and struggled when one in his congregation tried to express gratitude for the Sunday morning sermon. No, cried the frantic preacher, desperate to ensure that any credit was only given where credit was due. No, madam, don't thank me. It was the Lord. Well, actually, it wasn't that good, she responded. Hmm... Serves him right. Hi, I'm Sam Hales. If you're enjoying Lucas on Life, you'll love the Profile podcast. Every week, we sit down with a leading Christian to find out more about their life, faith, and testimony. Here's Joyce Mayer. Anything that we give up for God, He gives it back to us multiplied so many, many times over. I encourage anybody to make whatever sacrifices they need to to be in the perfect will of God because there's no better place to be. Listen to the full interview with Joyce Mayer now on the Profile podcast. Just search for The Profile wherever you get your podcasts from or visit premierchristianradio.com forward slash The Profile. I'm Jeff Lucas and this week we're thinking about preaching and teaching. As I mentioned earlier, we Christians spend quite a lot of our time preparing for it or listening to it. So what can we say about preaching? It happened after a communion service at a major conference. It was Sunday morning and I was attending an all-age worship family service. All went well except for the fact that the adults had to participate in an endless song with actions, which required us to announce that even if we were chimpanzees in the jungle, we would still worship the Lord. We further expressed our determination to be faithful worshippers should that metamorphosis into the animal kingdom ever occur as we strutted around making oo-oo noises. But all in all, it was good fun despite our failing to impress some of the children with our chimp impersonations. And then it was time for the preacher to speak. Given the all-age content of the service up until that point, I thought he would probably share a familiar story that would be accessible across the ages. Zacchaeus, perhaps, or maybe Jairus' daughter being raised from the dead, 
which is slightly more palatable than stinky Lazarus staggering out of his rancid tomb in those rather grubby grave clothes, or the little boy Samuel being called by God only to repeatedly wake up old Eli in the night, an episode that perhaps has a smidgen of Monty Python about it. But there was no mention of the reformed tax collector, little Samuel, or the synagogue leader's offspring. Instead, the speaker delivered a 40-minute sermon that was not only completely inappropriate for a multi-generational service, it focused on a series of complex theological issues with no apparent practical application, but it was also quite inaccessible and filled with technical language. The children looked bewildered, the adults looked confused. On and on it went until, surely in answer to the whispered prayers of many, and punctuated by one little chap who stood up and yelled, Can we just be chimps again? The speaker prayed his closing prayer. The congregation released an almost deafening sigh of relief, and the hapless chap sat down. The person leading the service thanked him warmly for such a wonderful talk, and we all obligingly applauded. If it's possible for a clap to be insincere... This round of applause was irrefutably hollow. I wondered how often we Christians lie through our teeth when in public settings. Everyone knew it was a disaster, or so I thought. Shuffling out of the auditorium, I turned to a friend as we emerged into bright sunlight. What on earth was all that about? I asked. I'm not sure, said my friend, who was also a minister. I didn't understand a word of it either, but I think it was really deep teaching. Deep teaching? My mouth fell open. I couldn't believe it. The suggestion was that deep teaching meant that we would all be at odds to comprehend what was actually being said. The fact that the sermon was irrelevant, ill-timed and void of any practical application for a human being or chimp of any age meant that it surely had to be substantial. Ridiculous. Some Christians like things to be deep. Someone who is deeply spiritual probably prays at unearthly hours when even angels are sleeping. But depth can also be used as a highly effective weapon, a powerful missile in the armoury of anyone who likes to criticise without fear of contradiction. The teaching in this church is just not deep enough, snorts the irate congregant, a look of measured indignation on their scowling face. The preaching is so superficial. Christian leaders fear comments like these because there is simply no way to question whether the critic is right or not. Who is to say what is deep and what is not? There's no meter to plug in during the sermon to scientifically measure how many spiritual fathoms the content contains. And it gets worse. In some church circles, it seems that the better the teacher you are, the more likely it is that some will think you're superficial, because you take what is complex and make it accessible and clear. Some conclude, therefore, that you're not very learned and that your skill in communication is touted as evidence that you are shallow. The likelihood of you being called superficial is heightened if you use humour in your communications, because if people understand you and enjoy the experience, there must be something wrong, according to some furrowed-browed killjoys. I'm heartened by the fact that the greatest teacher in history told delightful little stories to illustrate truth, and sometimes to send his listeners on a hunt for further truth. Did Jesus use humour? I am reliably informed that all that talk of camels squeezing through the eye of a needle would have caused a giggle, although the gag might be thousands of years out of date by now. Some have actually asked if Jesus ever laughed, which surprises me, seeing as he was such a popular party guest, and not just because he was rather good with the wine. Children rushed to him. They would not be quite as enthusiastic if he moped around as a miserable, wide-eyed Pharisee. Surely Stumer...
Surely story and humour were part of his life and were tools used to help people understand what on earth the man from heaven was talking about. So beware of teaching that confuses and makes the Christian faith complicated and even beyond reach. Pray for those who teach and preach in your local congregation because theirs is a heavy responsibility to shed light on God-breathed scripture and use their teaching gift to make truth accessible. Deep doesn't mean confusing. Lucas on Life